Hello and welcome to the Found Cause. We found our cause and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my left, your right is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Today's episode is going to. We're no intro, by the way. Sebastian told me before this episode started that uh, he got an anonymous tip that our intros, when they're weird and awkward, <laughs> are are weird and awkward, and we should stop doing them. So we're gonna take the tip, at least for now, and not do any weird awkward intros. With that being said, today's episode is on God being partial. And if you're looking at a provocative title, you might think, I'm going to look up about 30 quotes from the Bible directly that say that God is not partial. So we'd like to talk about that because we agree. We're definitely Bible-first Christians, and if the Bible says something plainly, we want to believe it wholeheartedly. So how do we take God and not being partial when the Scripture says it to mean, and how do we understand and why would we label our episode that God is partial? So we'll dive right in on the first, but Sebastian, do you have any first takes and why we were even talking about this subject to begin with? Oh, yes, I sure do. Justice is something, if you read, especially in the Old Testament, even in the New, justice is something that shows up over and over and over again. When God calls for the destruction of Babylon, the destruction of Assyria, the destruction of the Arameans, you name the group, Moabites, etc. It's all because they were unjust, cruel, and going against the precepts and laws of God. Mm-hmm. Justice, prominent. And the most often time when you see justice perverted is when there's partiality right. in a trial, for example. And what more relevant time today? Will we get demonetized? Who cares? We're not even monetized to begin with. But now you see two very corrupt nations going against each other and talking about Russia and Ukraine. Russia, very famous for, if you compare the system of law here, I would say, you know, you might th- we might have our complaints in the U.S. system of law, of course. Let's go to Russia, though, as your complaints are just an argument over a cup of tea compared to what goes over on over there. Right. Over there, you need to bribe in order to get documents. You need to bribe in order to get a law process moving. That is not good. Corrupt and That foments corruption, and that shows partiality. Then also, let's say you're rich and you end up committing fraud or murder if you have the right connections. Well, too bad for the people you just hurt, like the family of the person murdered or the, the family you stole from. You, because you have the right connections, you can easily bribe the judge and influence the courts and get your way. That is not justice. And God, over and over again, claims against such kind of partiality. Notice what I just said there, that kind of partiality. In Isaiah 10, one of my, one of my favorite verses, because it talks about the sovereignty of God, but it starts out with, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning? When disaster comes from afar, to whom will you run for help? Where will you leave, leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet for all of this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Again, justice and perversion of justice is extremely important to the Lord and nations have gone extinct because of that. So mm-hmm. this is why it's a very relevant topic, especially we see prominent nations going yep. to war and they're notoriously corrupt. And also many people here in our modern age, they always complain about uh, the justice system in the U.S. So, yep. so I would say it has absolutely, God has a lot to say on this topic. So here's where I think this starts to get muddied, especially in English, and it really is an English problem here, is what does partial mean? It's actually a pretty old word, I have to say. Like, it's an old English kind of word to be using in the modern age, and I, I do think that some gets lost in translation of just the English here, what partiality means, because partiality can mean really like three things, and so says Webster Dictionary. One, it can mean something that we're not talking about today at all, which is a partial of a portion of something, something that's incomplete, so like a partial grade, a partial piece of cake, or a partially completed uh, speech, you know, something partial, just a a little bit of it. But that's not what we're talking about today. They're all related because it is the same word and they're used in these contexts. But the second way partiality is used, and this is what we're talking about today, is favoring one person, one side over the other, usually from bias or prejudice. So you're favoring one side or the other in the court. That's why God says he hates partiality in that he demands and commands in, in all the laws that you're going to read through and we're going to read through today 
that you don't be partial to one side before the trial has happened. So there's, there's quotes from Exodus and Leviticus that say, don't be partial to the poor or to the rich, but, but treat them both equally under the law, which is the kind of partiality God condemns is, is being partial to one side. So in that way, we understand what partiality means. We all, I think, mostly agree with that, that even in the common U.S. culture, let alone Christian culture, we all agree that, yes, favoring the poor over the rich is evil, and so is the rich over the poor. These days, maybe favoring the poor over the rich is getting a lot more popular, but in any case, I think most people would agree that you shouldn't favor one side before the trial has even started. You should look at the evidences. Um, however, there's also another needing of partiality that is very often colloquially used and gets added into when we say that God is not partial, um, and I don't think it should be. And that is partial can also mean having a particular liking or fondness for something or someone. Like, I'm partial to you. And really, truly, the reason that's a third definition for the word partial is because it is a way of favoring one side over the other. So it's the same meaning of the words just used in different contexts. So if I said, if, if I was saving lives and it was one life for life and Sebastian was falling off one side of the train and a total stranger was falling off the other side of the train and I was Spider-Man and I had to pick which train I was going to shoot my webs at and save and which one I was going to let fall to the ground, classic Tommy McGuire movie scenario. I'm going to mm-hmm. pick Sebastian because I like Sebastian. I'm partial to Sebastian. Wow. I don't know the stranger, right? <laughs> it, other circumstances, there's multiple people in the other train. I might have to let Sebastian go. But in any case, in that case, I am partial to Sebastian. I'm favoring his side of the other because I have a particular liking for him. And you can see where this is going. This is a particularly controversial conversation around God's character because most debates theologically and in life are around what the character of good is. And God defines what what is good. And so if God defines what is good and we define what God is, then we're defining what good is. So we know as Christians that we don't define who God is. God defines who he is and tells us who he is. So we can not like or like as many attributes as we want of God, but it doesn't matter. It matters who God really is, who the Bible says he really is. So we know from the Bible, and you're probably seeing where I'm getting at this, that God does have a particular liking or fondness for something or someone special. He says to all of creation, it is good. He makes the land, the dry land, and it is good. He makes the sun and the moon, and they are good. He makes the animals, and they are good. He makes people, and says they are very good. So, God is partial to his creation. He's also partial to particular members of his creation. We all know the Bible narrative of Israel. He favors Israel. They are his chosen people. He favors them. He is partial to them. So, in this way, we can say the God is partial. He chose the Israelites over the Edomites. He chose the Israelites over the Babylonians. Now, that does not mean he treated Babylon or the Edomites with injustice. He did not. And that way, he's not partial. He's not bringing both to the the court and then the Israeli was the murderer and the Edomites were not. And he punishes the Edomites instead of the Israelis. He he doesn't do that. However, he does operate, as we know from the the very context and, and gospel itself, he does judge a Christian when they come up to judgment day and say, you have this long list of sins against you, but because you are my chosen covered by the blood of Christ, I will pay your sins. So he's not partial in that he just ignores the sins. He is just and he does have the sins paid for, but he is partial in that he favors this person, covers them with the blood of Christ and now pays their sin for them. He pays the price that they have worked up over the lives that we as Christians have worked up over our lives with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so in in one hand, he is not partial because he is just. He does just things. He doesn't pervert justice because he fulfills justice with Christ. But in the other hand, he is partial. He favors his people. And so this gets into God having favorites because many, many Christians, not just non-Christians and not just fake Christians, real believing Christians would adamantly say that God does not take favorites because of these verses that say he doesn't show partiality. But I believe this is a mixing up of the words of what partiality really means in these contexts. So we're going to run through a couple of the verses where it says that God is not partial and see if they relate to him being unjust as far as he doesn't bring justice or if it's talking about him not showing favorites and then he likes everybody equally, um, which, I mean, you're going to see where we lean, where I lean. I believe that he does show favorites even amongst believers, not and let alone not amongst believers. He definitely favors his elect. That's why he chose them over the non-elect. Prefaced all of this is that God's favorites are not because of something that people have done. He, of course, is 
sovereign. He was ordained all events that have happened. So any things done by people are planned out by God. So it's not to the boasting of the person that does good things um, that God favors them. It's really the boasting of God who made a good person. Um, but he is, he does favor people for a myriad of different reasons. We don't know all God's reasons, but he does favor people. That was the mistake of Pelagius. He thought that because of your goodness, your demonstration of your acts, your devotion to God, that's what makes him choose you. Mm -hmm. And also some famous people who say choice meets and whatnot. But yes. but with that aside, you are right. This is critical. God is not petty. How we, for example, if you throw if you if you go to Russia again and you throw a bag of cash in the face of a judge, he's gonna be partially in favor towards you in your case. Right. And that is corruption. He it, you are perverting and judge is perverting justice as well as a result. God does not do that because we're not flashing any kind of gold at his at his face. Yeah. We have absolutely nothing to offer him. As Job said, naked we were born, naked we will depart. So it is purely from him, from God, and from him alone that gifts are given. Salvation is a gift. So mm -hmm. I just want to lay that foundation so we can build yes, on this. Absolutely. So let me get into one of the most controversial texts, if not the most controversial text on God choosing people and not choosing others, favoring some and not others, emphasizing this fact that it's not because of something they've done, but rather just God's choosing. This is Romans 9, 11 and 12. For though the twins, this is talking about Jacob and Esau, so that the two children of Isaac, chosen people, chosen race, right? Abraham's promised offspring, uh, Esau, Edom, is the firstborn of the twins, You'd think he'd be the favorite. He is the favorite of Isaac, but not of God. So this is what Romans 9 is quoting also. What happened in Genesis says this, For though the twins were not yet born and had not yet done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of the works, but because of him who calls, that is God, it was said to her, the mother of both, the older will serve the younger. Esau I hated, Jacob I loved. So in this case, God is choosing again, before the twins were even born, before they had done anything, he chose, I'm going to love Jacob and I'm going to hate Esau. And this is this is from Romans 9. This is from Genesis. This is straight from Scripture. It's not me trying to put an attribute to God that, that I happen to like. It's not me trying to hide an attribute that I happen to not like. This is God saying that he chose the younger over the older. And again, it was not because of any choices or works of the people. So here I'm showing that God is partial. He was partial to Jacob over Esau. We have to accept that. He favored Jacob over Esau. And frankly, I would go further. This is um, based off of the, I won't be quoting the, the text here, but this is based off the, the texts that say that we earn different amounts of glory in heaven. So some build on the foundation with stubble and and things that are flammable and so after the judgment all that will be burned away they'll escape with just their lives so they'll escape with just salvation via christ but they won't have built up any heavenly wealth but there are others who are storing up good works in heaven small bigger and, and biggest glories in heaven and those are from good works they're from gifts from god so all our good works are gifts from god but there are different levels of, of gifting different levels of talents from the parable of the talents one was given five one was given two one was given one there are different levels of talents that god gives and so there are favored even amongst the elect i would say and i'm happy to be number one billion um, on the bottom tier list in heaven i would like to do as much as i can as much as god ordains right and do all the works that he puts before me but we have to accept and i i know i've partially struggled with this before um that we are not going to be number one in heaven. God is number one in heaven. And there's going to be men that are above us too. And so I'd just be happy in how God has made you. But yes, I would say not only does God favor certain men over others, but he also favors certain Christians over others. And to this, what I have felt myself in the past, and maybe this is also what our dear viewers might be feeling too. How, what the heck? I deserve to be. Uh, can you see all the good I've done with my life, Lord? I understand that you saved me, and that's you and you alone. But look at all the work that I've put in. How can you put me like rank number one million fifty nine, whatever it may uh -huh. be? But then, if you notice, that is the same attitude in the parable of the prodigal son who went right. away, and then the one that was. I mean, again, there's two. I say, I say, there's two levels in this parable. There's 
Israel and Gentiles, that's yep. the main one, but also it does apply on an individual basis in which the there's some f- fellow who was an elect of God and then goes astray, comes back to the flock, and then there's the one who was always there, like who was a believer, a Christian from birth, from, not from birth, from birth, everyone's from birth, but in, from, in, from a very young age, always behaved well. And you might think, that person has done more and then you might have the attitude of pride that's like i have done all this much why are you putting me so lower when why are you giving me more praise god mm-hmm. but notice what did you do to save yourself nothing you deserve the exact opposite of salvation it was purely a gift of god everything that we have in this life is a gift of god again naked we came into this world and all the things all the possessions that we have at this moment are truly a gift from God. Like you, you can't, couldn't get this couch if God didn't want you to get the, or didn't allow you to get this couch. Is what I'm saying. All the possessions that we have come from God. They're all His gifts. Likewise, salvation is a gift. So you didn't, you don't really deserve to be even rank one million. You mm-hmm. deserve to go down straight to hell. Right. But because of His grace, we are rank two million, whatever maybe. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, just a last nuance here. The, the way that people are judged you know the people that will earn more treasure in heaven i want to be clear that it's hard to determine who's god's favored christians here on earth because it might look like like the pastors of the world are the favored ones right because they're the big flashy christians out there but i would say that's not necessarily true at all so if that's the part that bothers you about god having favorites that that the little old ladies are ignored and that only the people who are like known in the media and have big houses or whatever else that they are favored it's true that sometimes God does reward, often I would say, does reward good works with, with good results here on earth. But um, we don't know God's plan for everyone. And I would not be surprised at all if the most favored in heaven, the ones that sort of the most treasure in heaven, are unknown entirely in this world. Could be. So this is not something of saying that this is not a wealth, health, prosperity thing where we're saying God does have favorites and you know his favorites because they drive jet planes and whatever else. Or not saying that God has different standards than we have on um, what's a good gift. But I do think there will be favorites in heaven. As scripture says, there's different rewards. It does not mean you'll be disappointed in your lot. And um, we shouldn't be, not even here on earth, prepping for the lot that we'll get in heaven. But we should be working and doing good works in general. To give you an idea of what I have in mind with this, I would even say, for example, a pastor who's in an underground church in Afghanistan, who's keeping his family together, who is shepherding his flock, who is encouraging, serving, and risking his life at that moment to meet with believers, I would be more than happy to say that man is clearly at a higher level than me. And it's not because he's so great and mighty, it's because God has appointed him to be in a dangerous position, and he is carrying his job faithfully despite the threat of death. So... That for that will be an idea what comes to mind. So clearly, we're not in support of prosperity teaching. Yes. But the fact that we think that danger is actually more, you know, I would say a higher esteem. I would say. Mm-hmm. So in this way, I'm going to quote one more scripture um, that that transitions us from God being He is partial, He's properly, righteously, gloriously partial. It's it's the whole impetus of the gospel that He is partial to those He saves. Uh, but this will also transition transition us into him not being partial on what that means again it's the same word but it's partiality in a different context Mm -hmm. so here is romans um but this time romans 2 but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation on the day of righteous judgment of god who will render to each person according to his deeds i'm gonna stop that's a phrase that Jesus uses a lot. It's used throughout the epistles as well. That God will render each person, repay each person according to what they have done, what his deeds, whatever you want to say there, whatever your translation says. So each person will be rewarded according to what he does. Now that doesn't mean that, again, flashy cars in this life. It's talking about afterwards. But God does sometimes say in the law and, and elsewhere that you are paid even in this life according to your deeds. Again, it's not wealth, health, and prosperity. I'm just showing that God does reward good conduct, um, which is good and righteous. That's not um, workspace prosperity gospel. It's, it's none of the workspace earning. It's just reward for good conduct. And also, it doesn't mean that people had, that it was all initiated from the person. I would say that any good thing comes from God, and therefore the initiatives, the good deeds done by men are from God. They're good gifts given by God, as Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 would say. I'll continue. Verse 7. To those who persevere in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. 
but to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. So that's the very end of there is, is Romans 2.11, and that's one we hear all the time. For there is no partiality with God. But in this case, the partiality being referred to is not that God won't punish evil and reward good, which would be being partial to, because we know everybody's evil, right? So God is being partial in this scenario where he rewards those who seek glory and honor and immortality because he's paying for their, their sins, right? The reason they're considered ones who seek good is because he's put a new spirit in their heart. He has lifted them out of distress and death and given them a new heart. That's partiality from God. But it's not unrighteous partiality. What he is saying at the very end here is that anybody who does evil that God does not give this new spirit to, whether they're Jew or Greek, God is showing no partiality by race, and he's showing no partiality by um, perverting justice and letting wickedness go unpunished. He will punish the wicked. But the wicked that turn to Christ, their wickedness is put on Christ, and God does punish that wickedness. Christ had to die, but it's punished on Christ, not the men themselves. Mm -hmm. This is why atonement is critical to understand because mm -hmm. this is the make it or break it. Watch our episode on atonement that we have done in the past the and our reaction yeah. videos to some interesting characters that deny the atonement and they like Pastor to throw John it. And, and Brandon Robertson, some other liberal Christians, yeah. It's so-called Christians. Unfortunately, if you deny this theory, uh, not even theory, we call them Teach plain teaching of scripture, teaching, is what I yeah, call it. yeah, of atonement. Then you cannot get, you cannot hope to get anywhere near God because you're covered with evil. Mm -hmm. Again, this is Christianity 101. If you do not believe that we are all evil by just the moment that we're born, then not that we are all murderers and and you know rage maniacs by deed, right? Yep. Yes, not we're not all that wicked, but we are prone to go away from God. Otherwise, why would Christ have to wait his waste his time and die for us? Mm -hmm. So this this is what it means. Again, this is very important to understand that we needed someone else to take our punishment on our behalf, and because of that, God is not just forgetting or blindly doing away with our sins like Muslims would say actually they say Jesus didn't die God just actually just forgets your sins that 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 is partiality partiality it's not punishing the wicked perverting justice because you have prayed your five times a day because you've donated to poor widows because you have gone to Mecca whatever it may be I am going to just let go of everything evil that you've done because you have done all these good things that is partiality in a justice system Where's God? I mean, you might think I'm repeating myself over and over again, but this is critical. Compare the system in Islam to what Christ has done. God is not forgetting about our sins. That's something Christians often get wrong. Like They are somewhere, but they have been taken and credited to Christ on our behalf. That is how God can fulfill justice and show mercy at the same time. Mm -hmm. Critical. Yeah. So we're gonna. I'm going to fly through the list because... Uh, my last time I'll say it, but God is partial. But we're going to fly through the list of all the reasons God is not partial. So Sebastian did a great job teeing it up in the very beginning and now here to show why there is a kind of partiality. We totally agree with the Bible. There is a kind of partiality that is evil. It perverts justice. It's present in Islam's God. It's present in a lot of false gods. And we're going to see that God abhors that kind of partiality. So he is partial, but righteously partial. And he is not evilly partial. So you'll see a ton of scripture that says God is not partial. God is not partial. There's no partiality with God. Mm -hmm. We just read one from Romans 2. I'm going to read some more from the Psalms and Proverbs. Here's a classic. A bunch of Proverbs talk about partiality because Proverbs is very wisdom, judgment-based. Here's Proverbs 24. These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous. Peoples will curse him. Nations will abhor him. So in this case, again, showing partiality and judgment is not good. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, people curse and nations will pour him. So in this case, the partiality is in judging what is not good to be good, to saying to the wicked that you are righteous. So that is partiality to the wrong party, evilly not punish wickedness. That is a wicked kind of partiality. Another proverb, Proverbs 28, to show partiality is not good because for a piece of bread, a man will transgress. This one talks about bribery, like you had talked about in Russia before, and that is that 
a man will will pervert justice if paid. So you should not bribe people. You shouldn't take a bribe. In fact, the Bible does talk about giving a bribe if it's good, um, being the, the giver. But it always says you shouldn't take a bribe because it's it's practical to give a bribe if the judge is going to judge righteously if you bribe him, right? <laughs> but it is evil if you're a judge who won't judge righteously unless somebody bribes you, or maybe you <laughs> judge unrighteously because somebody bribes you. So the Bible talks poorly against taking bribes, but isn't is um, not partial to whether you give them or not because it depends on your circumstance. But in this case, it's saying to show partiality is not good for people, people um, pervert justice for even a piece of bread. And here's another one, last one I'll give from Proverbs, because again, there's a lot of them from Proverbs, but Proverbs 18, to show partiality to the wicked is not good, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. So again, this is partiality. That's wicked and not good, but it's partiality to the wicked over the righteous. So again, really just unrighteousness. And and honestly, if I had my way, I would switch out. It's the same word, so I, I wouldn't do it because it's not true to the word, but I might switch out partiality here for unrighteous judgment. It's bigger bigger, more wordy, so I understand why they don't do that. But to specify, this is not partiality of favoring, just just favoring. It is specifically unrighteous favoring. So to show unrighteous judgment to the wicked is not a good thing, nor to thrust aside the righteous in judgment. And there's a bunch of other verses, again, you'll get them everywhere that talk about this kind of partiality. That's why I think it's very crucial to understand the differences between good, righteous, godly partiality and ungodly partiality, because you'll see these things that just say the word partiality and and Arminians and others that want to diminish the sovereignty of God and say that people choose God and that God wants everyone and isn't partial and that he doesn't have any favorites and he he wanted Mussolini just as much as he wanted Mother Teresa, who I also don't think he wanted, <laughs> uh, you know, he, that he wants the good people as much as he wants the bad people and it's just up to them to choose God. That is a false view of God. It does not come from scripture. It's made up. And we, we, we I say, humanity likes God being um, undiscerning because we understand, and most sinners will admit, that they know they're not God's favorite. And so they would rather God have no favorites than fully say that there are favorites and they're not one of them. And I think as Christians, we have to say, we are favored. But we also have to be at peace with not being God's favorite favorite, because, you know, we're just us. Again, this happened long before any of us were born. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. From Ephesians 1. So yes, God does show partiality, mm -hmm. but it is not because, again, we're flashing bread or gold. Right. in front of him and say god pick me because you see i'm, I'm gonna offer you something most religions they're that way right in the room i'm reading a lot in the roman system of, of religion and like oh my gosh it's you're you're making a pact with whatever deity you're doing so it's like i will offer you this you're gonna help me out in this that's partiality yep terrible so again if you don't like that that image of god being partial favoring some over the others not because of their deeds but because of god's choosing I encourage you to find me the scriptures that condemn it, and especially on this partiality point. I think that's the biggest objection that, that people that don't like the sovereignty of God have, is that this makes God out to be partial, that he's choosing favorites, and God would never do that because that's evil. And, and then they quote, um, show partiality is not good, or whatever from Proverbs, but they are they are misquoting what that partiality means in that context. So I'm gonna I'm not going to leave out partial quotes here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to give all the, the classic partiality is not good quotes, but I want you at the viewer as a viewer at home, to listen to my words when we walk through them, because I think you'll see the partiality being condemned is not favoritism. It's not proper favoritism. It's unrighteous perversion of justice. And so there's there's famous quotes um, from James. I'm going to quote one here that says, but if you show partiality, and some, the NIV, for example, says favoritism here, but if you show favoritism, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. That's James 2. So, in this case, and people have used, I've heard people in my church use this one to say that God does not show favoritism, because again, NIV will translate partiality favoritism here, but if you show favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. But what partiality, what favoritism do you think James is talking about here? Favoritism, the human kind that overlooks some people's deeds and doesn't punish them, their evil deeds and doesn't punish them? Yes. 
and that's what James is talking about in context into he's talking about the rich and the poor and people showing favoritism partiality towards the rich and favoring them lavishing them with gifts and then overlooking the poor who sit at their feet and not paying attention to them and not serving them so that kind of partiality that kind of favoritism is not godly we're not perfect judges like god is and he doesn't pervert justice when he shows favoritism he he fulfills it by his law we do not and so this kind of warning again is about unrighteous judgment it's not about having favorites it's about showing unrighteous favoritism in the same way there's a verse from acts 10 it says god is not one to show partiality my whole pitch is undone but he says it continues but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him so again you might take the first half of Acts uh, 10, 34 and say, God is not one to show partiality. This is an innate attribute of God. He will not show favoritism. He does not show partiality. Go home, Michael. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. But here, clearly in context, the very next bit is, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Meaning this partiality is once again talking about the fact that God is pulling men from every nation. He's not favoring one nation or the other anymore, but is showing partiality to all the nations. He's favoring people from every nation, right? As it says in Revelation. So again, not about him having favorites, period, but that he is no longer favoring Israel over others, but is grafting everyone into Israel, all his chosen. Another one from Colossians. I'm going to keep going on. Uh, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So once again, this partiality is that those who have done wrong they won't be, the, the wrong they've done will not be just excused into the ether, like you said about Islam. It needs to be paid, either by condemnation into hell, which is just and proper, but bad for the sinner, or by payment on Christ that, that um, it over, from, from our perspective, we're being, our sins are being overlooked. But truly, cosmically, in God's justice, they're not being overlooked, they're being put on Christ. So Christ's mm-hmm. death is paying all the sin. It's not being actually overlooked. To us, it's being overlooked because we don't have to pay that price. But it is truly being paid for. And therefore, without partiality, all the consequences of wrong are being paid for, as Colossians says. So again, it's a justice thing. It's not a does God show favoritism thing. And I will keep going. I and mean, there's plenty of ones about Israel and the Gentiles. So one from Deuteronomy says, To circumcise your heart and stiffen your necks no longer, for the Lord your God is the God of good and Lord of lords, the great and mighty, the awesome God who does not show partiality or take a bribe. Again, back to our perverting justice thing. This is the partiality being here is, is not taking a bribe, not perverting what is good justice. I'll continue. He executes justice for the orphan and the widow and shows his love for the alien by giving him food and clothing. Again, notice he's talking about the alien, the, non, the non-Israelite. God is not showing partiality. Mm-hmm. He, he is favoring Israel. Like, let's not be wrong here. He does favor Israel in that he's giving them his law. He's giving them a land. But he is just and merciful to everyone, including the aliens, including the non-Israelites. So show your love for the alien, you who were aliens in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall sure, serve him and cling to him, and you shall swear by his name. That's Deuteronomy 10. Mm. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, so. Yeah. <laughs> right, do you have a verse up or should I keep going? Keep plowing with okay. Another one from Second Chronicles. Again, we're going to the Old Testament. This consistent God in the New Testament, the Old Testament, doesn't change. Um, and, and again, notice we just read from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy, from the law, where he has, he's chosen people, the Israelites, and he's still talking about the alien and those who are not in Israel. Like he's always been the same. This has always been his plan. He didn't change in the New Testament. Here's some Second Chronicles, also in the Old Testament. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do, for the Lord our God will not have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. Again, all this connected. Partiality, unrighteousness, taking of a bribe is all related to unrighteous judgment. That partiality meaning unrighteous judgment. Not favoritism, because he does favor people who obey him, i.e. people who he's put a new heart in. It's all from God. It's all originating from God. But he is not showing partiality i.e. unrighteous judgment so maybe one way of putting it is to compare human favoritism versus godly favoritism would be you you we like people others normally because they have done something nice to us yeah or there's something that's not that we use the other person i mean some some do sure but there's a benefit to the relationship mm-hmm. whereas what could we possibly offer god absolutely nothing yeah. So, so that is why that my, my, what I'm emphasizing is it purely comes from Him. All the grace and the gifts mm-hmm. come from Him. So it's not something out of out of us. Sure, He does love us, but it's not that our love is going to make Him feel nice and squishy and loved. I'm sure He appreciates it, but it's 
purely it's purely from him yeah. a gift. and i would also say i think some of our reaction to not wanting favorites is because that's the way we parent again going oh, back to yeah. the human element that you <laughs> you don't normally say there's a favored child because when you have a favorite child because we are sinners and we're actually unrighteous judges in and of ourselves we would tend to unrighteously favor that child we would tend to not punish their sins and punish the sins of our unfavored children or maybe punish good conduct from our unfavored children and reward bad conduct from our favorite child because again we're we are sinners we are bad judges but god is not so this the sin involved is not having a favorite child again we quoted from romans 9 god did favor jacob over esau from the very beginning but he favored it for god given good reasons he is god after all we on the other hand we could have a favorite son or daughter but again we would tend to sin in that area which is why as parents it's a good thing to do even if you do truly have a favorite son or daughter um is to not act on that and not say it and not not own that because you would tend to sin if you really do favor um one child over the other so because we parent like that we think that god will too but god is not a human who errs in sin so he does not he's not beholden by some of the tactics we use to try to restrain ourselves from sin I will keep going because, again, I don't want to be remiss on, on missing some obvious partiality text. I think these are all the partiality texts that you would go to if you're looking for things about God not being partial. And uh, they all, again, have to do with unrighteous judgment. But I'll keep going. Galatians 2, this is back to the New Testament. But from those who are of high reputation, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Again, the partiality thing. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. This is, again, Paul speaking because it's Galatians. But he's saying that those who are of high reputation, those who liked them and were, were big ballers on earth, it didn't make a difference to him. God shows no partiality based on spiritual, uh, based on rank on the earth. So God does not favor kings over peasants on the earth because it's about what is righteous in God's eyes. Again, it's about judgment. It's not about favoritism. And this also would show that the peasant is and those of low reputation are those of, of not great standing on earth that does not affect god's favoritism it doesn't prove whether he favors you or not if you're a king on earth it does not mean that god favors you um, could like you favor david and david was a king but if you could also be a peasant a guy of low reputation and still be favored by god over a king oh i'm excited i'm glad you said king because i was actually staring at a passage about yeah. kingdoms and even the one i quoted from isaiah 10 there's a king there who god uses but then if you notice the language, he calls the king of Assyria. I don't know if it was Sennacherib or some other king. Anyway, he calls him an axe. Mm -hmm. Is the axe going to exalt himself over the over the wielder? What is God doing? He's calling a king, one of the most powerful men on earth at the time, Assyria, the Assyrian Empire. A tool. An instrument. Yeah. A tool to be used. And then he's going to dispose of it afterwards. So being a king doesn't necessarily mean God can have a purpose for you. That doesn't mean he's just showering you and bathing and bathing you with gifts because he because he's because you're righteous. Mm -hmm. He could be in a way using this person to accomplish his purposes as he did with the king of Assyria. And the passage I was referring to now was actually in Romans nine. It goes on immediately after Jacob I love, but he's Esau I've hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he, would, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So God distinguishes between people. He mm -hmm. chooses who he wants. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he has mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. And then, and then he says, then why does God still find blame in us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human? Talk back to God. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? And also he even goes to saying that they're vessels of wrath. So what, 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 what am I getting from this? The Pharaoh was supposedly a god on earth. I mean, according to the Egyptians, mm -hmm. showered, wore gold in his clothing, ate the finest food. God raised him up to be slapped around and humiliated in front of the Israelites to right. display his power, power throughout history. 
and I forget the name. I, was it Tutmosis? Not Tutmosis. We don't know. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of theories. Okay, I have there, a theory. Yes. Okay. I had a theory, but I forget the name at this moment. I'll skip that. It's probably for the best. Not make a fool of myself. Anyway, anyway, the king, the most powerful country on earth. Yep, I created you to have you slapped around in order to fulfill my good purpose of bringing salvation to the Israelites and establishing your people to thousands of years later bring the Messiah to atone for all of humanity. Okay, yes, so God has a plan and he is working what he wants to to accomplish. He clearly favored the Israelites over the Egyptian people. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, if if you want if you have a problem with that, I don't know what to tell you, but he did. Yep. And God is good. So therefore, why are we getting angry at God when when he does something like this? Mm-hmm. And God said, I mean, didn't I make this world? Am I not good? Can I not do as I please with my creation? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, fundamentally, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I think it's because sinners or even, even Christians, but if you have the insecurity of thinking that you aren't one of the favored ones, you would rather have God have no favorites in that way. Oh, yeah, I'm not favored because God doesn't favor anyone, you know, but he does. And we as Christians need to come to the acceptance that we are we are actually favored, first of all, above um, those who aren't christians that's the glorious thing it is to be a son or daughter of god is to be favored by him praise god it's all from god's word however we have to come to terms with even then we aren't going to be the favorite Mm -hmm. and it's good it's good to humble pie frankly so it is good to come to terms that god does have favorites and that you are favored as a christian but you're not the favorite so don't get a huge head and then equally it's all from god so definitely don't get a huge head Mm -hmm. Uh, but back to so thank you for for walking through all that and back to the point of of God not favoring kings versus peasants. Another one, a classic line from Ephesians 6 is, and masters, do the same thing to them, to your slaves, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Again, this could be quoted to say that God doesn't have favorites, but he does He does favor one or the other. You know, He's favoring both the master and the servant here and that he's bringing them to heaven. However, God is not favoring the master over the servant because of their status on earth, which is what I would say is here, right? He's telling the master, don't threaten your slave, even though you have the, the Roman right to do that, um, because your master and your slave's master are, is in heaven, and he's not thinking of you guys as master and slave, you know, good guy and, and slave, dirty guy, but both of you as equal sons, and therefore he's not going to judge you well if you're threatening your slave, because in, in his eyes, you both are of equal standing before him. So it's not about favoring one or the other. In fact, I would say it's the opposite, that God is going to judge the master who threatens his slave worse than the slave, and there he is, favoring one or the other. But it's not unrighteous judgment, and it's not based on their standing. Equally, uh, in Deuteronomy and many places in the law that I'm going to slam together, Deuteronomy 1 and Exodus 23 here, Deuteronomy 16, God says this in Deuteronomy 16, You shall not distort justice. You shall not be partial. You shall not take a bribe. Again, connect to the bribe. For bribes blind the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Exodus 23, You shall not be partial to a poor man in his dispute. Deuteronomy 1, then I charged your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your fellow countrymen, and judge righteously between a man and his fellow countrymen, or the alien who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not fear man, for the judgment is God's. The case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. So this again, putting out of the law, all these are talking to the same principle, and that is you should not distort justice, and that being partial to somebody because of their standing, or because you like them, or because they've given you a bribe, in this case, is wrong. You're favoring them unrighteously. You're not favoring them for good reasons, but for bad. And we're getting close to the very end of all these parts. Again, I'm trying to be exhaustive on all the, the texts you might go for partiality to show that there are not texts that talk about God not having favorites. So there is the favoritism thing, depending on how your translations go, they'll say favorites. It doesn't say that God isn't partial in that he doesn't have chosen people or that he doesn't have favorite people. But it does show that he is not partial, i.e. he's not perverting justice. Here's a couple others from Luke. Here's Luke 20. They questioned him saying, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly. You are not partial to any, but teach the way of God and truth. This is the Pharisees trying to tempt Jesus to, um, they're flattering him and saying that he's not partial. So this, this being not partial is uh, a good thing to the Pharisees. And again, this is talking about you don't pervert justice. You teach the way of truth in God. You're not partial. You're not, you're not not speaking to the Romans or not speaking to the Pharisees, but you're not partial. You're speaking to all. 
in the same way Leviticus 19 says you shall not do you shall do no injustice in judgment you shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great but you are to judge your neighbor fairly back to the same theme you're not doing unrighteous judgment that one is interesting and very relevant to today you shall not be partial to the poor mm-hmm. nor to the great there are many currents nowadays that say you should favor the poor you know, I so th- to bring it way full circle to the Russia comment, I heard a vice president was on a podcast and she was trying to explain in very simple terms the situation of Russia and Ukraine. And she said that Russia and Ukraine are both European countries and Russia is a very it's a bigger country than your uh, than Ukraine. And Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, so the bigger country invaded a little country, which is not good, which <laughs> it's not tr- that's that's not a true statement that's not why it's wrong i mean you come up with all, i mean come up with all your opinions about the russia ukraine thing but the reason the invasion is wrong is not because one is little and one is big that i mean the u.s invaded germany and guess which one was was smaller germany but we we needed to invade germany because of their unrighteousness so in this case the favoring the great in that case the u.s was good because the great was right in that case um, and sometimes favoring the poor is correct i think ukraine is in the right here so i would say favoring the poor the small country in this case is correct but the principle wasn't because they were poor we favor them it was because they're righteous in this case so kamala harris vice president was being partial in her judgments she was favoring the poor and the small in that case which is not good and it wasn't it wasn't that she was showing partiality maybe this is like weird nuance because this is this whole episode it wasn't that she favored one over the other because that's good you need to in any case that you decide something you do need to end up favoring one side or the other if you're going to make a decision i favor the defendant i favor the the um, prosecutor but you don't want to favor them for the wrong reasons which is what the whole theme of partiality is here is unrighteous judgment favoring people for the wrong reasons for their standing or because their looks or because they give you a bribe because you like them or you don't like them yes lastly acts 17 Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring the men to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof by all men by raising him from the dead. So again, this is God judging the earth. He's going to judge the earth in righteousness, getting at that same theme that God is not partial. He's not unjust, partial meaning unjust in this case, but righteous. And that is that. That is pretty much every verse you will hear about partiality that's relevant to God's character. And you will see that I think in all cases, it is either talking about God's gift to all the nations. He's not favoring only one nation. Um, It's either talking about not being unrighteously judging, or it's talking about people being partial and showing favoritism in an evil way. But God's character is partial to his chosen, to his favorites of the chosen. I think we've evidenced that too in this episode, but he is not partial. And all the verses that talk about partiality being bad, he's not partial in an evil, unrighteous judgment way. He does not favor the wicked over the righteous in an evil way. Mm-hmm. Any last closing comments, Sebastian? It is humbling to make that, you know, the realization that everything really comes from God. And it is, most, as I said, most human religions, it is tempting and attractive to think that you are an equal standing with God or with the deities that you, like in Hinduism, for example, uh-huh. or the Roman pantheon. And you can make a deal or, you know, negotiate, bribe, so to say, please. Our actions do please God, but he doesn't save us and shower us with gifts because of our actions in that case. He really because he predestined us from the foundation of the earth as clearly laid out in Ephesians and in Isaiah, I declare the end from the beginning from ancient times was still to come Mm -hmm. before we were even born, before we were even a thing alive. He had planned out our lives. He had numbered our days, as it says in the Psalm, formed me in my mother's womb and numbered my days. All of it comes from God. It really is nothing about your life that you should be proud of We should be glad for what we have, Mm -hmm. but we have nothing to boast before God. So therefore, let us not demand or shake our fists when God has favorites. I mean, the words, they're they're used all over the place. That's why I use them in in quotations. Mm -hmm. But he can do as he pleases. And that is humbling. That is a tough pill to swallow, I guess. Yes, for for many. Uh, and, And honestly, so if it is a death pill to swallow and you can't handle being number one billion on the list um 
perhaps you're not set for being one billion. And we all know the Bible does commend us to to work well and to do good work for the Lord, to knock and seek and ask and find. So if you want to be great, ask to have the qualities of greatness, not just for greatness itself. So I'm, I happen to be reading the Proverbs in my own personal time, and Solomon famously asks, God, God says, you know, whatever you want, I'll grant you. And Solomon asks for wisdom. And then God says, I'll give you wisdom and the rest, because that's a great ask, right? And so if you want the righteous character that comes with being a top dog Christian, well, then ask for it. Ask for it. It's good to want what is good. And God, First John says this, if we ask God anything according to his will, he will hear us. So if we ask for something according to his will, he's going to hear us. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to give you everything you want because your wants might not be very good. But according to his will, he will. And he's a good and righteous father who gives good gifts to his children who ask him. And to that, I actually do say, something I've been talking about a lot now in my church. We weren't just saved. We are being saved and we will be saved. Part of the process now, yes, Christ took the, our sin on him. But now something is happening at the moment with all of us Christians. We're being transformed into the image of Christ, specifically by the Holy Spirit. And as we're being transformed, it is good to ask to be transformed. It is good to ask to be more Christ-like. It is very good to be patient, to be loving, to be kind, slow to anger, all the things that, all the fruits of the Spirit. And when you ask these things, God, God, I would say, you're asking according to His will. You're asking things that God wants to have happen in our lives. So, yeah, ask. Mm -hmm. You want to be a good steward. You want to be a good, a good Christian. Not because we're bribing God or like hoping to climb up the ranks because of our own actions. No. You, you, how else can I put it? The reason why we ask these good things from God, when at least when I do it, I, I don't know if it's probably the same with you, when you do it, it's not because you want to just, like, I want to get a higher position in your kingdom, be, like as a petty human uh, ambition, like how we do in job or in at, at a job or politics or whatever, mm -hmm. but rather it's because the love that we have for the Lord. Yeah, we've we been putting like in your heart. Good, yeah, that's what I ask, because His way is good. It's genuinely good. I know why He... He says it's good because it is good. He's made it good. So mm -hmm. I want to do his way, not my own. Yes. Out of the love that he has shown mm -hmm. us, like the love that he gave us and the love that we give him. That's why we do the things that we do. So we've gone a lot of places today, mm -hmm. but thank you for listening. And that's why we have served and found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been Michael, the man behind the machine. And to my left, your right has been Sebastian, the bookkeeper. Thanks for listening. I hope you've been partial to our podcast. If you have, I'd recommend hitting the like button or ask that you do or hit the subscribe button. If you haven't already, you can find us and all our podcasts on iTunes and Spotify wherever else you might find your podcast we're also on youtube if you search us up found cause there we're also on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash found cause and we're also on podbean if you want to download our our audio only podcast but wouldn't you want to see our beautiful faces so i'd recommend going to our videos instead until next time we talk about something completely different thanks for listening bye bye goodbye